praise God. If you have your Bibles, would you stand with me and let's go to the Lord. Go to the word of the Lord tonight. I'm going to uh, preach to you from a Christmas theme. I want to preach tonight uh, a message from Luke chapter 2. And uh, something that's been on my heart. Now, I, I love um, true, uh, <clears throat> true stories about how people's faith in God or at Christmas time has impacted their lives. And one of my favorite uh, books is this series by Joe Wheeler. I've got all of them. I've got a whole box. I collect Christmas books and enjoy reading the true stories. But tonight, my message is actually inspired by a story that I have read that I cannot say that I found it in one of these well uh, vetted or proven Christmas accounts. A lot of these books, they'll at the beginning, they'll say every word of this, every word of this is true. Joe Wheeler has made a living on finding true accounts. And I, I love reading the true accounts of people. Like, let's see, this is the third volume. I don't know where the first volume is somewhere. I'm just waving them around. I'm not going to read from them. But this is the uh, second volume. And the very first story in his second volume, I got this probably 20 years ago. The very first story in this second volume is about a man who lost his son at Christmas. It is one of the most touching stories you'll ever read. But in there is a man who didn't believe in Christ or Christmas or anything else. And how... Christmas made a difference. And that just, just that story alone is worth that whole book. Whatever you had to pay for that book, that story alone. And so I wish I could say tonight, of course, my message is based, of course, on Luke chapter 2. But my title for this message, which is Waiting for Christmas. That's the title of my message tonight. And how many will help me preach tonight? I know I'm a little raspy. If that's all that's going to help me, I'm in serious trouble. I'm telling you right now. Because I've been shouting and, and uh, I, I mean it. I have just almost no voice. But uh, I'm so, uh, I'm just ready to tell the devil right here tonight. He can just take note. Our God is greater than any force from the gates of hell. And we are trusting and believing God. And I believe the preaching of the word is the most important thing in all the world. Someone said, well, me feeling good and moving and shouting, that's, that is not more important than the preaching of God's word and receiving the word. You don't have any business shouting until you have received the word. Then you have a right to praise the Lord and shout. But if you're not receiving the word, you need to sit down and receive it. And so tonight I am preaching from the subject, waiting for Christmas. And I think you will see that both of these people in Luke chapter 2, of which I'm going to refer, uh, 
show us a side of December that we now celebrate in December. Of course, it wasn't, we have no idea when Jesus was born, but we're celebrated, of course, in December. And so I'm reading from Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. Oh, by the way, we have the entire Martinez family here. We baptized four of them. How, how old's your youngest boy here? Three? Two. That's why we didn't baptize him. All the rest we baptized in Jesus' name this morning. Hallelujah. And they're from Jonesboro. They live right here in Jonesboro. We thank God. And uh, what, a, what a powerful move of God we had. So we're praising God for a great service. And behold, there was a man whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. I'm going to say waiting. There's my message tonight, waiting for Christmas. Waiting for the, or, or as some translations would say it, waiting for the Messiah to rescue Israel. The consolation means to comfort Israel and rescue her. All right, and, and believe me, Israel is even now in the throes and crying out to God. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Can you say amen? I've only got one more verse. You'd think I'm reading the whole Bible. All right, here we go, verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Amen. So my message is entitled Waiting for Christmas. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help this preacher tonight. Father, we thank you for anointing. Pray that your blessing will be upon us right now. Let your spirit move in our hearts. Let the word of God be real. Lord, let it speak to us, not just move us, not just emotionalize us, but touch our hearts with truth and let us realize how important it is to believe not only in a Christ that was born, but one that died and rose again. We thank you, Lord, for the truth in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to try to get all the help I can here. Now, that very first Christmas, God let Simeon know you will live until the Messiah comes. So this is an aspect of the Christian story. I've never heard it preached. That doesn't mean it never was preached. I'm sure it was. I know it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm trying to say you rarely hear Simeon. In fact, some of you are startled that I'm reading from Luke 2 the story of Simeon as a Christmas message, but I am. And I'm telling you that the story of Simeon and Anna were as much a part of the Christmas story as uh, all the rest of it. It's right in the middle of the Christmas story. But it is sometimes a little under, understood or, or misplaced or whatever. So <clears throat> that is uh, one aspect of the Christmas story or the story of Christ's birth that brings out in its detail the importance of anticipation. Everyone say anticipation. Praise God. (coughs) Anticipation. So there was more than just angels singing. There were more than shepherds coming and so on. Uh, But actually it was critical to the story of his birth that Simeon and Anna be included in the detail because it brought out the importance of anticipation, how it was that it must be then and it must be now. 
Because if you are bored with God, you will not serve God. If everything about him is just hum-ho, you will not serve God. The beautiful thing about Christmas, or let's, I won't say Christmas every minute, but the beautiful thing about the birth of Jesus is that it, it gives us a fresh unction that says, wait a minute, God has done something very, very powerful here. So Luke says that the Holy Ghost was upon Simeon. And that's one of the interesting things about Luke's gospel. And I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try not to bore you. I can see that would be quite easy tonight. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the importance of anticipation, of excitement, of being alive and, and getting rid of your apathy is all included in understanding Jesus coming. And I would suggest tonight that that is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. If you cannot get excited, I don't mean move around, jump around. I've just said it's not about you jumping around. I'm talking about you being excited about the truth. You being excited about the will and purpose of God. You believing that Jesus came and is coming makes a difference to your family. You believe it makes a difference to your children and your life. That's the importance of Christmas. That's the beauty of Christmas. And it produced in him, that is in Simeon, the longing for God's promise. So that's pretty much, I'm sort of, I'm sort of giving my whole sermon away. All right, so this is, in fact, the great message for the one God church in these last days, just prior to Jesus coming again, that we must be filled with anticipation. Now, I, I will admit that I was quite moved. Sister French said, honey, did you hear about the gentleman in the shooting last week? That, and I hadn't. I said, no, what, what, what? She said that there was a gentleman that had a co-worker. They were friends. And, uh, of course, they worked together. They were friends. And, and uh, the, the, the attackers came, and uh, they were shooting up, and they, they, they uh, even shot up the building so much that the sprinkler system had gone off, and the... And the that's one of the things that drove them out of there was their own bullets blasted the, the uh, fire uh, system and, and the water came down and so on. And so they were coming up and they were about to, uh, uh, I'm not saying this flippantly, please understand what I'm trying to, I'm trying to make an illustration that this uh, young lady was about to be the next victim. And so the, when the man saw that they were going to, uh, by the way, it's only been about four or three, four weeks ago, two, whatever, I don't even remember, that I preached an entire sermon on, on a Sunday night about the attack in Paris and how people stood up in the Paris attacks. Even though 180 were killed, there were thousands there. And they said the reason so many were killed in that arena, which or whatever it was called, I don't know what it was called, it doesn't make any difference. It was a place and they were being killed. And the reason so many were killed and I heard this from a rock star. I heard it himself. I heard him say it. I heard it myself. Of course, I wasn't there. It was the, the power of the internet. But I heard him say, they came into our, our uh, uh, dressing room. They, every, and I realized there's children. I, 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 just a few days ago, I had to tell that story because it so moved me to hear a rock star or... I guess that'd be a proper term for him. Uh, tell how he would never be the same because of the evil and that the reason so many were killed was that people stood up 
and took the bullet for their neighbor. That's why so many were killed. They would not leave. And some could have easily gotten out, but they would not flee because they, they would rather die with their friends. I want to tell you something, folks. If you don't think that is touching our world, if you think it's just about guns and it's about uh, some event and it's about a terrorist, I'm telling you it is touching our world. And people are beginning to say to themselves, what is wrong with people? And they're having to re-examine their thinking. I'm telling you we serve a God that is able to get down to the very bottom of our hearts. And so it was with the young lady. She, they're about to pull the... They, I, I know this all happened fast. I'm, I'm sort of dragging this out. But uh, So they were about to... Uh, they aimed right at her. And the young man, I guess he was young. I don't know the whole story. Of, I, does it sound close to right, Sister French? You read it. You told me. And so the young man jumped up and took the bullet. And she was, he said something. What he hollered out to her, I got it, he said. That's, that's the story. I, I know a young lady. I don't know her personally, but I'm telling you about her. This is in the news. It's all over. A young lady just a few hours back, just a few days ago, had a young man stand up and say, I've got it, and took a bullet to the chest, and, and uh, they took him out of there, a dead man, because of an evil generation. But she will never forget it. If you think she's going to forget, forget that anytime soon, then you are surely mistaken. What I'm trying to tell you is that there is more to the Christmas story than a little baby in a manger and a bunch of sheep, bah, 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 and, and a bunch of angels singing glory, glory. It, there's more to the Christmas story. It goes deeper than just the beauties of the Christmas moment. It is something so powerful that people are waiting for a Christ that can make a difference for them. (laughs) They're sick and tired of religion that has no meaning. They're sick and tired of churches that are deader than doornails. And I don't know how dead a doornail is. I, I haven't got a clue why we say that in English. But, but we do and we typically know what we mean when we say it. But people are tired. Now, I don't mean they're looking for someone like me to come running down the aisle. I don't see a great crowd out there saying, Whoa, if we could get Brother French to come and scream at our church. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm telling you that there is something about the heart of man that reaches for answers that they sometimes don't even know that they're reaching for. But something deep in their hearts, they begin to cry out. And they're looking And they're waiting. So this, in fact, is the great message of the church that the church today is still receiving. And the Bible says, don't be weary in what? Well, doing. Don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus said. Uh, Or to quote it exactly from the King James, let not your heart be troubled. I've often thought that was an amazing thing for Jesus to say, <laughs> knowing all that's going to go on, you know, knowing. And you say, Jesus, you, you, you surely know what we're facing over here. You got to see what we're up against, Lord. And he says, yes, I, I, know what you, I know what you're facing, but don't let your heart 
be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Praise God. I feel that the message of waiting for Christmas and understanding the value of a Christ that is real. Folks are sick and tired. They are looking. Hey, folks, all of the polls are demonstrating that young people, what they call millennials, I heard yesterday, or what I don't care, it was a couple days ago, they were doing the news reporter was about to pass out. Because they were giving a poll about what they call millennials, which is just another word for fairly young folks. And what they were saying is they took a poll of millennials and we never believed that young people were worried or thinking this or what's going on. That's what the the news reporter. And I wanted to say, come on, sir, don't you have enough sense to know that a young millennial can look at this world and start realizing there's got to be an answer to all of this. Simeon was Going along when all of a sudden, the story tells us in this Christmas story, the Holy Ghost said, okay, Simeon, get yourself over to the temple right now. You get up and you, does anybody believe you ought to listen to the Holy Ghost when it talks to you? You need to listen to the Holy Ghost. Get yourself up and get to the temple. Man, his eyes got biggest saucers you mean he said this is it you mean all that i've been waiting for is about to come after this long wait we have to assume that simeon was quite elderly and in anna later we know that she was probably close to a hundred years old and you if you add all those numbers up i'm not here to prove her age you're not supposed to do that remember women's ages they don't have any ages but uh but and if you say, oh, I think you're about 100, you're in serious trouble. You don't say that for sure. But after all this wait, here I am, an old man. And the Holy Ghost said, get over to the temple. So the coming of Jesus reminds us that God always fulfills his promises. Some of you were promised long ago that there would be a child in the house of God and you have wondered about it, but God never ever fails to fulfill his promise. Some of you have had a word from God that your children are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and you've wondered about it, but I tell you it matters not how old you are or how long the promise has been. The story of Christmas is there is one who is greater than all of our doubts, all of our concerns, and all of our troubles. There's one greater. Verse 27 says, verse chapter 2, of course, he came by the Spirit. Now, that's a beautiful little rendition there, or translation would be better, of in the King James, that he was told to go to the temple. And then in verse 27, the translators, the King James translators say, He came by the Spirit. Do you see that there? Anybody still have a Bible? He came by the Spirit. And when he came by the Spirit, there it is. If you can't see it, that's because of all those snowflakes. So he came by the Spirit. Now, I I don't want to be too dogmatic because that could mean more than one thing. I'm I'm, uh, suggesting to you that... uh, It was the spirit that informed him 
and gave him the information. Has anybody here ever had the Holy Ghost talk to you? Anybody? Just, just that few? Has anybody ever had the Spirit of God just speak directly to your heart? Praise God. That's, and of course you have. I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to respond. So he came by the Spirit. And may I say that if we do not move by the Spirit, we will surely miss what God is doing in these last days. Now you listen to me. You say, what has that got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. The story of Simeon is not some little little kid story that's over on the shelf somewhere, a little book somebody wants to sell for 20 bucks. It is the story of a man that spent his entire life believing what God told him and said, the Christ is going to come and you're going to see him with your own eyes. Now you say, Brother French, what's that got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. That the Christ and seeing and believing him. Oh, hallelujah. You say, that's not possible. Brother French, that's not possible. This man's nearly, what I don't even know his age, but I, I can tell you right now, he was on up there. He had some years on him and he knew it and he was even thinking in his own mind. Maybe his hand was getting a little shaky and he was thinking, oh Lord, I I have been waiting. Maybe it was just wishful thinking on my part. Maybe I just was hoping this was going to be. You know, and sometimes people will just take the low road and they'll say, well, I guess they'll be lost. I guess they're never going to be saved. They're going to Never find God, even though God has promised you, even though you heard the promise of God. So I'm here to remind you that the Christmas story is telling us and reminding us in in these 10 verses that if you anticipate the promise of God, You have put your faith in the right thing. Because as sure as this man of God who was moved by the Spirit, that's way before the day of Pentecost. (laughs) This is way before Jesus came. Before any of that, here's a man (laughs) in his Jewish faith and, and determination. He has made up his mind, I'm going to see Israel's salvation. God has promised me. I know we probably had some kids now, Dad. Grandpa, Grandpa, you you know Grandpa, he's always thinking he's going to be right there. He's, he's going to walk in and he's going to see the Messiah. You know Grandpa thinks he's going to see the Messiah. They just laugh. It's just hilarious. He's old and he actually, you know, one day, you know what he told me? He said he, the Lord promised him that he was going to see the Messiah himself. And it was just hilarious to them. But not to Simeon. Didn't matter how old he was. Didn't matter how many laughs and how many people discredited it. He was anticipating the promise of God. God has promised it. And long after the the wise men and the shepherds and the stars and the angels, God said, wait a minute, Mary. Don't you forget. 
You've got to go to the house of God. This baby's got to be lifted from this straw and taken from this manger and this stable. And you've got to, you've only got so many days. You've got to get to Jerusalem now because your baby is born and you've got to take him to the house of God. And I want to say this. I know some of you think, oh, this is an all-nighter and you're really worried about it. You're afraid we'll still be here when the gifts are under the tree and I'll be still preaching this sermon. Some of you are so nervous. But I want to say this tonight. The Christmas story has always been about the house of God. It is about the house of God now. It is about being in the house of God even now. You say, well, this is just a building. That's right. It's just a building. But this is the sanctuary of God. And this ought to be more important to you than anything else. And this place, no matter what, someone said, so I got several calls. I'm very, very sick. Some of those people that call me would have come to this service if I would have said, you get up out of your sick bed and you get, that's how much they honor the man of God and the house of God. In fact, I can tell you people that come to this building and they sit here and they are really in too much pain to even be out of bed or be in a public place but they came because they know the presence of God is more important than anything else in this world you give him glory and God will take care of you by the way that's why Hebrew says forsake not the assembling of yourselves even so much the more as you see the day, I'll add in there, of the coming of the Lord, approaching. As you see that things are coming to a, to a standstill, then you need to, man, get to church. Well, that's the spirit of Simeon. If nothing else, Simeon reminds us that this baby... And I do want to hurry. I, I, I tell you what, I'm so, I've wanted to preach this message for days. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have wondered if the promises of God are yea and amen. It's not that you've doubted that. I'm not saying that you meant to doubt God. But some of you have wondered. Oh, some of you have faced things. I wonder if we could just lift our hands and tell God we're ready, Lord. Whatever you want in my life, I commit myself to your purpose. I believe you, Lord, regardless of what I have to face. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to keep going. All right, so as long as you're breathing and you can let me, I'm going to keep preaching here a few more minutes. So, so Simeon was by, came by the Spirit. The Lord directed him by the Spirit. And so it is with us. So Simeon rushed over there. The Bible says just as Mary and Joseph were bringing the baby into the house of God. Do you hear me? So part of Christmas is the trip to the house of God. 
Someone said, well, why would you take advantage? You knowing people will only come at Christmas and you take advantage of that and then baptize 11 people. Let me tell you something, folks. There is nothing more important than being in the house of God at Christmas time. What a better place could you be in than the house of Almighty God? So don't you let the enemy tell you it doesn't matter. Oh, it's just the offering. See, they went to the temple to offer their the sacrifice for the baby, which was either two pigeons or two turtle doves. And for many years, I often wondered, being the great uh, student of animals and horticulture as I am, why they call them turtle doves. I know that here they are called... uh, Usually, Western doves are, according to the experts that I've read, they claim they're, they're typically called mourning birds, or mourning doves. Not mourning. If this is new to you, just, just say, well, he might be right, he might be wrong. I'm just telling you what I've, what I've read. Because it intrigued me that what brought the fulfillment of Simeon's faith was two turtle doves. And these, of course, are the infamous two turtle doves of the 12 days of Christmas because they were, in fact, the doves that they were allowed to bring. This is what a poor, this is not, I'm not guessing about this, I know this. They were what you could offer like a pigeon. You could offer, that, or at least what the King James calls a pigeon. I'm not going to preach on the pigeon, but I want to talk a few minutes about the turtle dove. And so they would bring in alive, living Two, not one. Someone said, I don't think, I don't, God can't tell me I got to have two. I just got one turtle dove. That's the way people are. It's, a, it's amazing to me. You mean I got to, I got to get baptized? I'm like, <laughs> no, you don't. You could just be lost. It's really not a, you know, it's really up to you. This is a great bargain, my friend. You obey the gospel. It's a simple matter. You say, well, someone, and I'm not saying it's wrong to ask questions because it's, it's perfectly normal to ask questions. But when you've asked all the questions and then you say, I just don't think God, no, God doesn't care what I, and in the end you dismiss what God says, you have missed the greatest part of the entire story. And that is that God has allowed a simple dove. Just You say, well, I just got one. No, no, you've got to get the second one because there's a re- God always has a reason. And so he said, you're gonna, you go get that dove and you bring that in here. And as they come walking in, here comes O Simeon. I, I just let me imagine it. He's, he's pretty old he probably got a, one of those little uh, he probably ordered it online I imagine and he got one of those caves that had the triple little triple uh, you know have you ever heard of that no, haven't heard of that okay um, we, if you haven't heard of it you might want to think of it uh, it's uh, it's supposed to be a stabilizer and it's got like instead of one leg it's got three and then you you can do this and and it kind of moves I mean I've never used one but I'm just saying but that's how I imagine Simeon running into the temple. He's got his triple, triple-legged uh, cane, and he's trying to get it. And when he gets right up to I mean, the temple was this awesome place. And, and he's full of the Holy Ghost, and he walks up there. And he realizes that he, he wasn't there. At Bethlehem. He wasn't in Bethlehem, but he's 
storm. And God has brought him to the house of God. And when he steps in, he sees him. Someone said one time, how do you know it was the how do you know it was the Messiah? Did he have a little birthmark or something? Or I mean, there was no star. See, Simeon had, there was no star over Jerusalem. There was no sign that proved that that young couple and that little tiny eight-day-old was the Messiah. I'll tell you how he knew. He put his trust in God. And the Spirit searcheth all things and knoweth all things. And the minute he saw that baby, it was what he had anticipated all of his life. This is. And the Bible says, and I want you to get this. I'm trying to hurry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. If I have to, I'll just stop. But he goes over to the baby. And I love this. You know, you, you can put this, say, I want you to know, Brother French preached the first Christmas sermon that he cried all the way through the whole sermon. I want you to write that down, right? Because you're going to want to remember that. So he gets to the house of God and the Holy Ghost says, there they are. Them? You could hear, you know, they're called turtle because the European dove makes a certain sound. It's what we call the tur of the turtle. They make us now uh, in in what we call the western dove I, I know all about this no i'm just kidding i don't know a thing about it i'm just telling you what the experts tell me that the western dove makes what they call a mourning sound almost sounds like they're wailing and so they're typically called mourning doves but not in europe not the european dove that flies to africa and makes a circle and comes back to israel no Oh, no, sir. They make the the sound of the turtle dove, and he heard. He'd heard it many times. The temple is filled with poverty and people that don't have much to bring. (laughs) But this time, this time, the poverty is from the mother of the Messiah. And Simeon sees that baby. And here's the part. Okay, if I don't get anything else, if you run out on me before I'm done here, you save just for this. Make sure you stay for this. And so he sees him. And the Bible never says he introduces himself. Never goes up and says, hey, I'm Simeon. Not one word. You know what he did. You remember the story. He runs in there with his tri-footed cane. He gets over there. And he's, you don't know anything about him. And he reaches out. Mama's got the baby. And the Bible said that Simeon took the baby. That's a very specific word in the Greek, by the way. I looked it up. Because I teach Greek and I know, but I'm just saying that the translators got it right. He didn't walk over and say, may I? He may have. The Bible doesn't say he didn't do it. But to say that he took the baby means he boldly reached out when he saw it was the Messiah. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's something very powerful here tonight. When we can embrace Christmas, when we can say this is what God intended for me to have and reach for it with, and not let anybody keep me from embracing 
the Christ. Now, I've, I don't think I've ever preached on Simeon. This is my first time. Have I ever preached on Simeon? I don't remember it. But this has been in my heart for a long time. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to close. I, I'm going to skip everything. I'm going to just end here in a sec. But because I, I, I wanted to preach on Anna and her name means favor and all that. But, but I'm not going to hold you. But I've often thought of it. No mother, no mother, no mother that I ever knew would let an old man who might not even can stand up on his own two feet anyway just run in and grab my baby. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, one time, Sister French thought, <laughs> I can't tell that story. I was going to tell the story. But one time, she thought somebody was after <laughs> one of our. <laughs> I want to tell you something. I don't want to be the, the guy that thought they were going to lay a finger on Sister French's little boy. I want to tell you, she slipped into gear. That is a fairly normal behavior. Not, not many mothers are going to say, hey, this old guy came in and grabbed my baby. Well, what did you do? Well, I was busy shopping or that's not very likely going to happen. But I want to tell you why it worked itself out. Because the mother of Jesus Mary, the young virgin girl, was as in touch with the Spirit of God as this elder and the minute his hands old hand <laughs> and reaching for that baby it was as though she knew in her heart this is the prophet and he was a prophet he began to prophesy I'm not going to be able to preach that part but he reaches down and the Bible says he never says a word not a word now I want to tell you what I think then you can, you can weigh in later since I'm preaching I have to weigh in first but uh, the prophet Simeon had he spoken to Mary or Joseph but I, I would assume Mary and we see, hear very little of Joseph so I'm going to assume Mary if he had said one word to Mary if he had addressed her in any way, it would have made its way into the holy writ. There is absolutely nothing that suggests that he went over and introduced himself. It was the Spirit of God. It was the anticipation of the prophetic will of God that brought those two together, young and old. Could we lift our hands and thank God for the way he brings us together? We thank you, Jesus, because somebody believes in and holds dearly the spirit of prophecy. I wish I could vouch tonight for this story, but I, I've told you that I recently received it from someone I trust, but I cannot... Uh, I cannot say that I know its origin or whether how they know it's true. If it had come from one of the many books like this, I could tell you that these folks are capable of proving something as a true story. There's ways to do it. It's called do your history and figure that out. But according to the account, and the story as I received it was called Waiting for Christmas. It is what inspired me to reread Simeon and Anna and I'm going to close with this millions of dollars of art 
was to be auctioned in the what I believe was the Second World War. I'm quite certain it was. But it had to be, according to this millionaire, auctioned on Christmas Day. Now, there are ways to, to prove if this is true, and I'm in the process, but I'm going to go ahead and relate the story. <clears throat> so the millionaire owned all kinds of art, said the auction will be on Christmas Day. I'm going to tell you why, but I just wanted to say that. Uh, art collectors the world over came, certain that their dreams of actually owning a Van Gogh or a Picasso, according to the account I received, he actually owned a Picasso. And these collectors were quite sure they would be able to outbid the others and own, for the first time, a Van Gogh or a Picasso, and other names, but those two uh, stick out in my mind after having read it for the first time. But why Christmas? And so here's the story. Back in the war, a very wealthy man shared a passion for art collecting with his son. He was wealthy, and he could afford million-dollar paintings, and the son was quite talented, and so they collected priceless works that line the walls of their mansion. Now, the rich can do this, so I don't doubt this aspect whatsoever. I don't doubt any of the story. I'm saying I've not vetted it. I can't prove it. But according to the account I have, their paintings line the long hallways of their mansion. And, of course, they, they dealt in art and they sold art and so on. But as winter approached, the son was called into the war to serve his country And within just a few months, I don't know how long, but not very long, the news came back in a dreadful telegram that his son had been killed in the war. Now, I've read this in several versions. Some tell it a little different, but this is more or less the general story. Along with that news, the man faced the upcoming Christmas with complete anguish and uh, Christmas was not far and he basically shut Christmas out and said I, I, I can't celebrate Christmas and he was in despair as it were but on Christmas morning a knock came to the door quite surprised and walking to the door the, the wealthy father saw the masterpieces along the hall, which only reminded him that his son was never coming home. But at the door, there was a young soldier with a large package, and he stood out in the cold, and here's what he said. Sir, I am your son's friend, and I, too, am the one he was rescuing when he died. And then he said rather timidly, is it okay if I come in? I have something for you. You see, he said, I am an artist of sorts. No one has ever considered my work that of a genius, but I uh, painted your son's face as I would that of a dear friend. And I've decided that I've wanted you to have the portrait, and that's what the package was. The work was so striking in detail that the father was completely taken back and was overcome with emotion. 
In fact, the picture saved the old gentleman, according to the story. He pushed millions of dollars worth of art aside. That is, he owned all this these Picassos, and so he, so he pushed them all, moved them all, took them off the wall so he could get one place there on the wall where, where he could hang this picture of his son that, as far as this man was concerned, was, was truly a masterpiece. And he placed it right over the mantle, and he stared at his boy that Christmas. And it became, that painting became his prized possession. Within the year, the wealthy gentleman passed away, and he arranged for the sale of his famous art. But as per the will, the actual will and testament of the wealthy father, the only way they could sell the art was it had to be held on Christmas Day, which was, of course, quite an inconvenience. But the question was why. That's what everyone wondered. And that was, according to his own will, the day that he'd received his greatest gift, the gift of the memory of his boy. So now you see the Christmas, not only has he lost his son, but now he's revived himself because some way or another the painting has Uh, saved him, as it were, because he has now the memory of his son. And the day soon arrived. It was Christmas the next year. Art collectors were everywhere. So I would think that vetting this is going to be somewhat simple in just being able to find who this wealthy man was, where he was, who, what his name might have been. They were everywhere. They were there to bid on some of the world's spectacular paintings. But when the auction began, it was... That is, the very first bid was that of the man's son, the actual portrait of his own son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who, he said, will open the bidding with $100, he said. No response. Who cares, someone said, about the picture of the old man's son. Let's move on. No, the auctioneer responded. We have to sell this one first. Now who will take the son, he said. Someone shouted, $10. Going once, twice, gone. And the gavel fell. Cheers filled the room. The wealthy were waiting for that moment when they were going to... In fact, one of them hollered out, Now to the real treasures, someone shouted. No, the auctioneer replied, the auction is now, is now concluded. Well, that caused quite a, a stir. What? Another shouted. There are millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? The auctioneer answered, It's quite simple. According to his father... The one who takes the son takes it all. Whoever wants this can have 
all of the rest. And so it is with Christmas. What a marvelous, marvelous thing Christmas is. There he lies in a manger. (laughs) Who wants him? If you take him, you can have everything else. You say it's just a turtle dove. No, 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 my friend. It's far more than an eight-day-old baby. It is the answer to the world's problems that we have been waiting for. And Jesus has brought it. And so John said, For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Could we stand together tonight? I want us to pray a special prayer. And I, know, I feel like this is a special night because next week, now Wednesday night we have Bible study, but uh, all the stuff's going on. I feel like the Holy Ghost has spoken to us tonight that we should pray that the power of Christ will touch our city and our families I think that's a powerful prayer. Could we do that tonight? Don't pray for yourself. I want you to pray for our city, for your family, your children, your neighbors. Come on, let's lift our hands and pray together. Father, I thank you because you saw enough of us to know if we would hunger for your son, if we would reach for that bloody nail print hand, that that would be enough. That's all that we would need. Everything else, Lord, everything else would come along. And so it is with our children. Lord, it's not this world they need. It's the God that made this world. And so we pray for them. We pray for our, our families right now. Come on. Let's raise, another, raise that other hand and pray for somebody that needs God tonight. Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for our city. Let's just have a little Christmas prayer here that God will make a difference in our community. Lord, I pray for the homeless tonight, those that don't have the food they need. I pray for the less fortunate, oh Lord. (laughs) Somebody, somebody made I, I got, I'm, we're going to go home, but somebody made fun of me because somebody needed something and I reached it. And I gave them, I don't even know what, how much it was. I just gave them everything I had. And they said, you, that, that, that's just, I don't, they don't, they're going to just go spend that on whatever. I don't know. I thought you, you must be a prophet because I have no idea what they, they assume they're going to get drunk or something. And maybe they were right. But you know what I thought? I don't want any money in my pocket that my brother needs that I could make a difference if I just reached out and, and maybe he wouldn't do what's right. But I can say I did, I did what I could do with that little bit. I helped somebody else. Because there's been somebody, if you've been loved for one second, if God reached out and ever touched your life, you need to touch somebody else's life. That's what God is telling us tonight. Could we just love him just for a moment? We're not going to do what we normally do. We're just going to love the Lord a second here. Father, thank you for your spirit. What are we going to sing? Let's do that. Because if I keep crying, they're gonna—they they can't handle it. Oh, come, let oh. us.
come on, help him sing it. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Oh, he Are you near your family where you or could you get close to family for just a moment? Let's pray for one another. If you don't have family here, uh, just reach over to someone you trust or love and reach out to them. You know, the great message of Christmas is that he, God loves us. He loves us. And whatever your need is tonight. Now, we get emotional. We run aisles. But tonight... We're not going to just do the same old, same old. I want us to pray for our families right now. That's it. That's so beautiful. This picture right here, I'm trying not to get emotional again. Let's pray for our families right now. That's it. Father, right now I squeeze the hand of my my little baby. I I put my arm around my husband, my wife, my, my child. I pray right now for a touch of the Holy Ghost in my home. I pray you'll reach across the miles, wherever our children are, wherever my son, daughter, wherever those that I love are tonight, that you will reach out to them. We pray for a special blessing. Ask God that you will let your, at this very difficult time of year, where not only America, but the world is wondering what's happening all about us. I don't think there's a more powerful story than the story of your birth and your coming. And Satan can hate it and rail against it all he wants to. He will never change it. You came into our world. And it is more powerful than all of the gates of hell put together. Lord, you just with rolling one stone away changed an entire world And we thank you for it. I feel faith tonight, Lord, that this is going to be not only a special time of year, but that the year that's coming, if you should tarry, will be the greatest year that we've ever had.